Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Top story today is the reverberations from our, or Trump, droning and assassinating several Iranians, including very high-ranking Iranians. One of them is Soleimani, who was the head of Quds, the military force there, military intel, extraterritorial military. His funeral, or at least services showing for his respect, the parade of his body, drew out millions of people potentially, certainly many, 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 many thousands. And what is being reported to us is that there was a stampede in these crowds that killed 50 people. And I guess the implication is that's making tensions rise even more. We are that Iran continues to threaten retaliation. And I have to say they are continuing to threaten retaliation against Americans in an official capacity in foreign countries. So if you want to think about people who are strong advocates of gun rights, if you want to think about trespassing of the castle doctrine, you you need to stay on your own land to kill people who scare you. And you're not allowed to say, I don't like the look of that guy. I'm going to his house and killing him, or I'm going to he's when he's at the neighbor's house and we kill him. You have to think about the principles at work here. And I think their response is actually they are trying to stick with some principles, I think. Well, the DOD is warning businesses here about cyber attacks, telling them but to take precautions. But they're not advocating that. They're not saying that. They are not trying to attack us here. That If that happens, it's a false flag. Across the board, they are saying simply that they are going to do an equal response, which means hitting somebody or some installation or Americans or whatever that are in these official military capacities. Yeah, that might be a little bit of public propaganda, just like we put on, because we know we don't, we don't normally advertise a lot the little bombs that we have set up in their infrastructure, the cyber bombs that we have set up. I know, but why, why, would, they, why would they do that? To show strength publicly. I mean, then they've got to own it. And I don't think they're going to, well, maybe, I mean, yeah, you don't know what they're going to say, but they did approach, they did classify our military as a terrorist organization, which is kind of funny because we did that to them. Yeah. That's why we get to say that this guy's a terrorist and not the head of the military of a sovereign nation, Yeah, which is what he is. And I have to say to assassinate somebody like that, to do that is really, it's, it's, it is murder. If if you thought that he was a war criminal, then you should bring him up on charges at The Hague. And if you wanted to simply have him dead, they should have just let Mossad do it. Yeah. Or maybe they couldn't get it done that way. But in any case, I, I'm picking up on a thread that you left, which is I think they might try Trump at The Hague, probably in absentia, but like the equivalence of the impeachment, an impeachment 2.0 would be he, because he said, I'm going to bomb your cultural sites, which is still, it's a terrible thing. And I'm sure we will, if it comes to that, we do it in Syria, Iraq, everything just to destroy their history, but it's being discussed as a war crime. So once you do it like that and you make it clear that there are, that a person is responsible for a crime I feel like that's a what to watch out for. Certainly the suggestion. I haven't heard anybody suggest it. Like yet, a world impeachment. Will. Yes, an international impeachment because everybody loves to hate him. 
they do love to hate him. He's the perfect comic book villain for people to rally against. I did some searches of the Google trends. I was talking about the Twitter trend of World War III, which was partially related to a video game called World War III, which is a simulation you can do between countries fighting each other. They use the attack. Oh, the arsenal of that country? Yeah, you can do, do simulation. I don't know a lot about the game. Yeah, I yeah, just know that right. they got backlash because they newsjacked the story about the attack on the Iranian general to promote their game. But you were talking about Ender's Game the other day, and this game, the yeah. description of this game reminded me of Ender's Games. But I was looking at the top trends on Twitter, and it was a World War Three related trends. So I did some Google search trends over the past 15 years, the most – or 16 years. The furthest it goes back is 2014 on the Google Trends. And if you type in a search term, it shows where it spikes, where people's interests are in that term. And – World War Three, and I did it four different ways, WWIII, World War, you know, numerically three. So I, I covered all the bases, and every single one of them, it spiked enormously, dwarfing any other point in time this week over the past 15 years, the term World War Three. So the wow. war fervor, the fear is becoming more real, and I think it's going to continue to manifest itself because the media is emphasizing that it is I was going to say, now. that's intentional. Joe that doesn't Rogan. mean that we're the closest we've been to World War Three. It's just the that media has decided to yes. whip us up into a frenzy. Exactly. And it is amazing to me. People have unfollowed me on Twitter. So I'm close to 10,000. I'm super excited. I hope I get there before they take me down. Yeah. But I, I say stuff about Trump that is completely justified. The USMCA will probably be passed this week without any discussion, the most globalist thing ever. He did away with the sequester. No discussion whatsoever. The debt is unprecedented. I take him to task all the time, and, and I ne have never noticed that my followers go backwards this week, when I've said this is ridiculous, this is completely an unprovoked act of war, a dangerous, even if it was provoked, it's a dangerous approach, and people are mad at me. It's it's nuts. There has to be like a little trigger spot deep in the brain, like the, the G-spot of war, like yeah. just, just deep in the brain. They can just put their finger on it and make people whipped up. It gets people excited about it, too, along with being afraid. Joe Rogan was talking about how he's afraid of World War Three on his podcast. He's one of the top podcasts. So all the medium, all the yes, mediums yes. are hitting yes. people, drumming up this war fervor. What are they going to do with it? We'll see. Mao said, if, if it's what the book I read about him is to be believed that, so what we kill people? People like the excitement. They like there history people wouldn't be like interesting. Bloodlust. A couple of other things is, or just to emphasize, first of all, there are 80,000 U.S. troops in the Middle East right now. Uh, one catchphrase to watch out for, have you heard this so far? Uh, somebody tweeted this at me, and also I heard some Fox pundits say it about the Democrats. Uh, have you not been paying attention? Like, why did we bomb this guy in the Baghdad airport on a diplomatic mission? Like, yeah. Uh, if you've not been paying attention, this guy is a murdering psycho. Yeah. Anyway, so I, have I haven't you not noticed been paying that attention? one. Yeah, you will. You will. The one that I noticed was on the left, which I hear repeated by every CNN and MSNBC commentator, and it goes something like this. 
At a time like this, a president needs credibility more than anything else. And this president has long destroyed his with a five trillion lies compiled by the Washington Post. <laughs> well, if but if he does something against his own interests, that gives credibility. That's that thing that he can say, well, if Trump wants to invade Russia, <clears throat> at yeah. least that he's got a soul. Yeah. You know, at least he's there. But I, the, I just want to point out that the way this was done, very, very public, very public, completely owned. One is to make it crystal clear Donald Trump is taking credit for this. He is completely putting this on his own shoulder. He's redeeming the deep state, Republicans, Democrats, everybody who could be blamed, military industrial complex, everybody who could be blamed for wanting this to happen. Him and his impulsiveness, his emo, his rogue actor thing, all of that is being blamed for this. But I, I don't buy that for a second. There's a, there's a method to this madness. And, but you have to notice that it's, it, it is so public. It's so in your face. It's such an intentional provocation. It's such a humiliation. It is such a dare for Iran to retaliate. And I think there are a couple of reasons behind that. One is we are going to do false flags at home, cyber attacks, whatever. I don't think they're going to do that. I think it's us, and I think we need cover for that. So making it clear that we provoked their reaction makes those false flags reasonable you, and attributable to Iran. Yeah. You know who they're saying that we're under threat of potential cyber attacks from? Can you guess which three countries? China, Iran, and Russia. There you go. <laughs> the access yes. of evil. So all of that will happen. So all that will be justified, plausible. So when Patrick Clausen said, we are in the game of using covert means against Iran, somebody flipped the script on that and said, oh, now we're let's use overt means. Screw them. Let's just do overt means, and then we'll get what we want. We'll, we'll get our, our cover up. And all, or they could have simply bombed Iran and invaded, but they, then they wouldn't have a, even a shred of cover for people who want this to hang on to because they, they have to believe they're justified. No, nobody who's unfollowing me because they want this war thinks that they are morally unjustified. Yeah. The so thing that's weird that. about it to me is it's just this really peculiar and would only happen in this day and age is that the fact that they used to trade jabs at each other on Twitter, like we mentioned I yesterday. I, I find that so hard to believe. They It was similar to the Kim Jong-un oh, and Trump Sole jabs. Soleimani is – is was a cult figure in his own. He life, was, yes. Which would make sense for that because that's how you get that is yeah. to be that personality. What but is Kim Jong Un thinking after seeing that they used to trade jabs on there and now one of them's dead? Trump and him trade jabs. It does lend a little bit of. I don't know who was behind it. I don't know who really called the shots. Pompeo seems to be the guy pushing it really hard. The CIA head, but that might make you think twice before you. Engage in a He's the, war isn't of words. He the Secretary of State now? No, Secretary of State, excuse me. Former <laughs> he CIA. He was the head of the yeah. CIA. Or he was Secretary of Defense. I don't remember now. Yeah. There's so much shuffling. But the yeah, definitely. He's I thought he was behind the Ukraine thing too. I think he's definitely behind a lot of this stuff. 
the the thing that just haunts me though it certainly looks real but that like dna evidence was lacking and i mean it's just it looks so real but it also looks so theatrical now i know i, I mean i know that they're capable of doing really crazy things i mean look at 911 like no matter who you think did that somebody did it yeah somebody did do it it's done and that stuff stuff like that does get done People you don't believe the really hologram done. theory the deep fake theory i guess it could be called no because so many real people died yeah. in new york but the but how many famous people died that's the thing it's like i you know i just they don't take out big guys too often. No, they got off their planes. I saw some interviews with people who happened to not take planes that they were had tickets. Oh on. yeah, the guy who ran the World Trade Center, he uh, had a meeting, and his wife had made a dermatologist appointment for him, and he just. I think Mark Wahlberg is the one I'm thinking about who was supposed to be on one of the planes, and for some reason he ended up not getting on it. Wow, pretty interesting. Well, it reminds me of um, when Dikembe Mutombo. Yes. If I'm saying his name correctly. That's right. Was in Brussels at the airport when they had that crazy attack or a train station or something. And he said it was so amazing. Like as soon as people started to panic, like these four CIA guys just appeared out of nowhere and hustled me out of there. And I was just so happy that America is so protective of its citizens. And I'm thinking they were everywhere. And someone was like, that guy is <laughs> like going to get yeah. some press. We got to get him out of here. I so imagine, they don't want people who's going to get a lot of press. Right. Like, I, I imagine Dikembe would be swatting bullets down and, and doing the finger wag. Oh, yeah. Was, I don't think he was running for cover. Yeah. I think they had to put a bag over his head and hustle <laughs> him out of there. Yeah, because the tall, seven-foot-two black guy with a bag <laughs> over his head. Who could that be? <laughs> well, there's like 20 of them. <laughs> so there was another story today related to the Iran thing about – a letter that was sent from the U.S. military to an Iraqi to the Iraqi Minister of Defense that stated that the U.S. is going to withhold they're going to withdraw troops, and this is after the Iraqi Parliament, which voted to expel all foreign forces, including the U.S. And this letter from our military was dated on January 6th, a day after that parliamentary vote. Now it was unsigned, and the Pentagon later came out and said that. This letter was a draft, and it was a mistake. It was not intended to go out, and we will not be pulling troops out. And the media is talking about how how could this happen? How could such a mistake happen? I have an idea of what could be going on here, and I don't think it's a mistake at all. I don't think a lot of these things are mistakes. There's a book by an influential military strategist called The Strategy of Conflict, which is largely about yes. using deference in warfare. And we've heard the word deference tossed around a lot lately. lately. The reestablishing of deference is what they're saying. And in the book, it talks— Deference or deterrence? Uh, deterrence, excuse me. Yeah, Thank sorry. you. I kept saying deference. Yeah, deterrence. Yes, yeah, deterrent, yeah. And— the tactics of deterrence, it goes through a lot of game theory stuff and a lot of – and what it's like when you have perfect communication and perfect information with somebody you're working with versus when you have like no communication with them. The idea is to try and anticipate at what point the adversary or the person you're trying to negotiate or cooperate with will – how far they will compromise. There, therefore, you know what decision to make based on what you think they will make, this, the decision they will make based on the decision that you made. Yeah, it's game theory. It's game theory, yeah. Game theory but and chess, all that. In international, yeah, yeah. 
in international relations, international conflict, the book talks about how communication is always imperfect. In fact, it's very hard to have stable, reliable communications when you're communicating with an adversary or somebody you're at conflict with. And that one of the ways to not go to war or to find some sort of compromise is you have to find ways of signaling and communicating with them in a way that shows them where you will go. Where you will compromise so that they can go, oh, that's a signal. If we do this, they will do that. And I don't know who was responsible for this. I don't know who sent it. I know the the guy who wrote it, the military guy who wrote this was General William Seeley, and he is a trained signals intelligence, and he's trained in strategic communication. Yes, that and some, yeah, he knows what he's doing. I don't know if he's the one that sent it. He's the one that wrote it. Nobody's talked to him that I've seen. It was unsigned. What I see this as is I see this as someone putting an offer out there to the broader. Maybe they're speaking to the uh, the ministry guy of defense, but I think they're also saying we don't have perfect communication right now, so we're going to put an offer sheet out there that says here's what we might be willing to do. Here's a, a commitment we might be willing to make. If you are willing to do something for us first, but as you see, it's unsigned. So until we get what we want from you, we're not going to sign this letter, and we're not going to pull out. We're going to keep repositioning, and I think it might be something along the lines of if you can give us some sort of signal of assurance that you are not going to let Iran control your country as a proxy, then we will remove some of our forces, giving you more control over your own country. This is speculation, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. And that all makes sense as far as making sense goes. And you did text me about this deterrent element that you saw bubbling up in the news before this fake letter came out or this unsigned letter came out. The only thing that I would would take issue with is this idea of deterrence. To me, I haven't read the book, although I now have it. Thank you very much. Um, that, That it has to be like... Uh, thinly veiled, not really about deterrence because Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, Japan did that both, I believe, both before Pearl Harbor and before the nukes. They made it clear where they were willing to go, that they were willing to appease us to the extent that we had stated we needed those appeasements. And we didn't care. We were just looking for provocations. We wanted to do what we wanted to do. So in in my mind, our history does not suggest ever meeting a war we didn't want, ever really wanting a deterrence. I could just take it one step further and say it maybe the point is for your analysis to be accepted so that it looks like we are trying to bargain or more likely that it's Trump that's standing in the way of of do that all these guys are doing the right thing that was a, an olive branch that it could be designed to fail it could be here's where we're going to go to be a false olive branch to make yeah, it look like exactly. we're out there and if only it weren't for trump this single minded and it's funny because he's doing what all the all of our presidents do which is create more war in the middle east and somehow this is being portrayed as this lone wolf actor yeah i think it could very well be designed to fail and like you said, they'll be able to say, well, we put that out there. We sent it directly to you. We left it unsigned. It was dated right after. We wrote you knew that's where we were going. Wanted, yeah. Yet you still let Iran control you. 
No, I think I think it's going to escalate, and they're going to say, "We were at the table with Iraq. You saw that. We were doing it. We were they they or maybe yeah. I see what you're saying. Maybe they'll give an overture. Yeah. I still think Trump will trump it. They choose Iran over us. Yeah, Trump will. <laughs> no, I think they might not. I think they might come to the table. Oh. And then Trump will say, ah, fuck you guys. <laughs> okay. Maybe. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And then Iraq, our generals, nobody has any power. It's just Trump going after Iran. Yeah. So I, I just feel like that's the theme. But you know what? These guys are better than I am. Like, they are a step ahead. It all seems very – but. Very yeah. transparent, but it's working. They get what they want always. So I don't know what I, if I can see through their plan. There's probably a whole nother layer. That book is very interesting. It's a hard read for me. I know I you're in you're know, into economics, fine. but it's, yeah. it's a challenging read. But it really theme theory's hard. It, I think stra- Yeah, that kind yeah. Of it really does. It really made me rethink or just have a, a different understanding of the way they communicate internationally. It's interesting to think about some of the situations yeah. and the uh, examples. They don't. He doesn't use too many real world examples. He does use a couple. This is the tripwire guy. This is right, the, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. setting the tripwire to so designed to get a bunch of people to go sacrifice their lives. And if that happens, yeah. See, I believe in the tripwire more than the deterrent. Yeah, they're there to cause, start the war, to spark the war, right. not deter. So I'll I'll look at it and see if I how how much I think he, it's he's really just a warmonger. I want it. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about these Australian wildfires. Oh, go for it. So Australia, all this news, you're hearing people on the news crying in Australian accents. They talk about this mega fire that's going to happen when they all come together. So we've had tons of fires here, especially in California, Brazil. The Amazon was burning. Clearly it all The lungs of the earth. What happened? Right. I know. I we're probably all in a dream. We're just ghosts running around because we have already suffocated to death. What happened? It just disappeared off the news. So in Australia, this is all happening. And, of course, I mean, we can we can tick off what the agenda items might be. Of course, the idea of taking climate action. I personally think that they are on the <laughs> verge action. of having to go public with solar radiation management. They're having to admit to the chemtrails. They're just too – there's just too much, you know. They're just constant. I mean, you got to – and I think they need cover, liability cover. They need buy-in. So I think they're going for the solar radiation management. They have to come out with that. I think that's part of what climate action is going to be. I think they want to push people into cities and take them offline so they can't be independent. You can't go off the grid. They do this. They want to rewild everything. They don't like rural people. They don't like people who can farm. They just, they want, that is the plan. Habitat One, the wilding project, all that stuff. It's pretty clear that is the plan. They want this stuff to happen. Now, it's also pretty clear, I think, that they, when they are, impacting the weather the rainfall and stuff they're not having it rain like in california they're they're keeping their guys who follow this stuff and you can really see off the coast when when they do things to keep it from raining in california so they encourage the droughts maybe they did the same thing in australia and then the fires happen but how do the fires happen so when they were talking about australia i was like who started the fires like i said that before the last batch of california fires and low i was like pg and e is a government contractor and they're the ones who are starting these fires they're getting taking liability for it but they are starting the fires they're saying it was an accident but they are starting the fires and they're doing these rolling blackouts all this stuff to kind of get us uh in a state of tension and a state of control and a state of subservience 
state of fear. And then uh, that last fire, they found a guy, a municipal worker or a municipal contractor, a trash collector, with a big truck full of burning trash, dumping it into a dry field in California. And, And somebody tried to stop him, got it on video. There was no repercussions. Nobody heard anything about it. There's all this evidence that people are starting these damn fires. And so with the Australia thing, I said, okay, well, who's starting the damn fires? Like, where are they coming from? And I didn't get to this yesterday. I wanted to. But in the meanwhile, Dean tweeted at me this article saying, we in Australia don't have a bushfire problem so much as we have a firebug problem. Something like 200 people have been arrested starting these fires. And that folded into something I had mentioned to you about what I was seeing when I was investigating the fire, which is they're saying that the people who are starting the fires are under 21. And in some cases they're, they're developmentally disabled. Now I have a son with down syndrome. So when you're going to start throwing a totally defenseless innocence under the bus, like, I don't, I don't like that. My son is not up to that level of no good. He's not getting away with that kind of stuff. And uh, I just think it's uncool to take advantage. So I thought, well, they're just trying to blame it on people who are irrational, people who can't be held accountable. I said, but you know what? This is where my thing comes in, where I always want a trial. I don't think anyone should even be allowed to plea bargain. We should have trials so we understand the true threats to society, how to deal with crime, how to deter it. Always have a trial as an investigation into a crime. I'm I'm for that. I really am. And I said, you know, if they just have a trial, then we would know about these Australian fires. So in this article Dean sent me, it was just every article about all these people who were arrested, and they were all kids. And it said that they would all be handled under the Youth Justice Act in Australia. So it seems to me all these kids, and it's not just under 21, it must be even younger than that because these kids are 12, 13, 14. They're not going to trial because they're all being uh, dealt with under the Youth Justice Act. The guy who wrote the article didn't key in on that, but I am pretty confident. I certainly think that it's it's a path to investigate. Yeah, the so, Youth Justice Act, that sounds terrifying to me, that name. Oh, yeah. Well, that yes, that they that's what... Greta is all about youth justice. Well, did you see that she supposedly is taking a back seat now? She's taking a break after she said that these politicians should have their backs against the wall or be put up against the wall, which is how you assassinate, how you like. I had heard that, but I also hear her in the news all the time. Like Meatloaf said she's controlled, mind controlled, and she clapped back at Meatloaf. Oh, I like Meatloaf. Was he good? uh, Yeah, I I don't know. He said that she was mind-controlled, and she came back with one of her, the young people, it doesn't matter. It's not the death versus right. It's what's right. And she spoke about the climate, yeah. Well, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban contributed $500,000 to the firefighters, to the rural firefighters. Oh, and another thing about the Australian thing, the politicians, the, the prime minister, everything, are getting criticized for their slow response. It's like, yes, of course, it's a slow response because they want them to burn. But it's getting a lot of Hollywood press. I mean, obviously, there's an agenda at work here. I've seen more stories about the charcoal bodies of, like, koala bears. Koalas. Half the koalas have been wiped out. You know, the koalas are just drug addicts, by the way. What are they addicted to? Fire? <laughs> Eucalyptus. Really? Yeah, their eyes are red. They can't. I think sloths must be like that, too. I don't know if they are, but... Not yeah. that that drug addicts don't deserve to live. I'm just saying. 
They can't really pull their weight, those koalas. Yeah, they seem more concerned about the koalas over there, which I'm sure a lot of people are concerned about the well, koalas. Tourism. Koalas want to live also, but they don't focus too much on the, the people because they're trying to make it a climate change, climate change, climate change story. I think it's more than just that, but yes, for sure climate change. But I think that there's something to clearing these rural areas, scaring people away or really displacing them, just burning their houses down. You said burning their land down. You said you could see a world firefighting crew emerge. I'd like to see oh, yes, Greta yes, yes. as the captain of that world yes, firefighting the crew. Joan of Arc. I feel like the first global institution of law enforcement or of governments will might be a global firefighting unit. But in any case, we're going to see something soon. Yeah, I think you're right. So there's a story that I've noticed. It's popped up in the news a handful of times over the past couple of weeks, and course it gets no press really it's about mysterious drones that have been appearing hovering in like a collection of them in colorado and it's in colorado's eastern plains they are ground zero for this phenomenon and since mid-december a legion of unexplained drones with six foot wingspans have flown the night skies over at least nine counties in eastern colorado and western nebraska inspiring wild conspiracy theories perplexing agencies and confounding citizens from around the world now the air force darpa the department of defense the epa Everyone says they don't know who is flying these drones, and they cannot catch these drones, and they just hover up over these towns, and they sit there for 90 minutes at a time. They they just zoom. I mean that – It's not believable. I believe that it's happening. No, but I don't believe that they don't know. I don't believe that they don't know either. Like what is the answer? If they truly do not know – like this should be a story that is – Major news, especially yes, right now. Absolutely. A drone strike absolutely. just took out this Iranian yes. general, and mm-hmm. yet we have and we have we have rogue drones. Drones that apparently nobody in the government has any idea where they're from, and they're just hovering over there, and nobody can catch them. So maybe the, these are Chinese drones or whatever, or maybe we know what they are. But the fact that we say that we don't know what they are should make this a news story because if that were true, and I don't believe that it is, but if it were, that would be terrifying. Yeah. Oh, totally. I don't think. Uh, I don't think they. But why are they? Why are they telling us about it at all? I think they're normalizing us to having drones over our heads at all times. Honestly, I think that's. I part remember of it. ten years ago, Ron Paul warned that there would be thirty thousand drones in our skies by the end of the decade, and people were like, "That can't be true." And I thought, "No, of course it's true," and I'm sure it is true. I see them all the time. I don't even flinch now. Yeah. Did I lose you? For a second, I was I wanted to go look at the drones. You wanted to go outside? But, Did you see some drones? No, outside? I was gonna Google the drones. I thought I'd have a minute to actually get some video of the drones. Mm-hmm. So uh but should we keep oh one thing I wanted to say about um but maybe I'll save it for tomorrow because you had I wanted to hear about your um sex offender who shows up at I'm not my sex offender. <laughs> This, well, I want to talk about the guy who escaped from Japan. Should I just tell you about this guy who escaped? Gon, G-H-O-S-N. Is it Kurt C- Russell? Is it a new movie? Nope. It's the CEO of Nissan. 
and Renault, or he used to be the CEO and then he was the chairman. I don't know, but he claims he was living in Japan. He was as the head of Nissan Renault and they were just a joint venture, but he wanted to merge the companies from what I understand. So he said they, Japan didn't want him to do that. So they brought him up on charges of underreporting his income and of misusing the assets of this company. So he was out on $14 million bail and he start and they wouldn't let him see his wife over the holidays. And he started getting nervous because Japan has a 99.9% conviction rate. Oh, wow. So you're charged. You are going to jail. So I was reading this study that was saying like, uh, why that is. And it's like, obviously it's, there's no justice, right? And the conclusion of the scholarly study was, although it is true that judges who do not convict 100% of the time do find their careers decline, so there's a clear evidence that yeah. it, the judges who have ever enforced like laws of protocol and stuff like that, their their things decline. But we have concluded that that isn't really the explanation, that the explanation is – this is the kind of thing that makes my heart like crunch up into a little raisin. The explanation is they're tight for cash, so they only prosecute people who are guilty. Seems reasonable. <laughs> I mean, that's when I say like Lori Lachlan, fight Lori Lachlan, and I get tweets like it's outrageous that she's wasting taxpayers' money with a trial. Like it's outrageous that taxpayers are wasting their money on her. She should be and wasting taxpayer she, money in jail. She has to spend her money to defend herself from a rogue government, an out of control government. So here's the problem, though. He he was interrogated without lawyers. He's he's not clearly guilty, if you ask me. Like this is what they're saying. They only prosecute people who are clearly guilty. They won't bring you to trial unless you're clearly guilty. But of course, going to trial. People only go to trial usually when they're not guilty. Like knowing that the the cards are stacked against you, I think it's more likely. Anyway, and I remember that John DeLorean was, he stepped out of line. He did the wrong thing up against the automakers and they entrapped him for a Coke deal. I don't, they punished him and he lost everything. He did get away with it, but I just, I feel like this, this guy's story is strange also, two other things. If you are going to only prosecute people who are crystal clear you're guilty, that means that a lot of criminals get away. Yeah. You would you should expect that to be a high crime society, but it's actually a really shockingly low crime society. It would be what's called a type one error where it excludes a lot of guilty people as opposed to a type two error, which incarcerates a lot of guilty people. Yeah, that reminds me of the uh, not guilty people. The yeah. law that they announced on the news in Atlanta the other day that they will not be ch- police will not be engaging in chases. Oh yes, I saw that. I'm not a fan of the big of the chase generally. Anyway, unless it's a person who's like I wouldn't. I don't know. Violent criminals. I think all only crime should only be crimes against person and property. Anyway, it would really eliminate. Most of these issues. But the reason this thing caught my eye of this guy, Gone, I think it's pronounced, he escaped from Japan to Lebanon. He's Lebanese, Brazilian, and French. And he, and he escaped with the help of a couple of interesting characters. One is a Green Beret who himself had been in trouble for fraud. And another guy who isn't getting a lot of, of uh, press, 
George Zayek, I think his name is. He he has all sorts of connections with USAID, the Department of State. Like I think I think we got him out. And I think that the that the story of how he got out is so fishy. They're like, well, he was seen leaving his house with a hat and a surgical mask on his face. That's normal. <laughs> so, and and then I clicked through to find the pictures that they were talking about. And it was just Japanese newspaper articles without any pictures. And then it shows a picture of a box, like a Marshall Stack box. It's like, oh, he just hid in that box. And it wasn't inspected because sometimes they don't expect them. And I'm like... Sometimes they don't inspect them. Like, well, it's a private jet. They don't. I'm like, mm. this box feels a little actually. heavy to me. Feels a yeah, little and heavy. And if it's true that sometimes they don't inspect them, the way the Wall Street Journal, in typical fashion, went through in excruciating details exactly how to bypass security in these Japanese airports, which could have applied to other places as well, if that's how the private terminals are. You know, Wall Street Journal, like it tells you how to be a terrorist, basically, in great detail. I've seen it. It happened with the Hong Kong protests. They're like, this is how you make a Molotov cocktail. This is how you escape. This is how you use tunnels. This is how you climb out windows. This is how you make barriers. This is how you make... I mean, it was crazy. And this this caught my eye for that reason. But as I dug in, I thought it was a bit of a um, fishy story. It sounds a little bit fishy to me. Be sure and pick up your Wall Street Journal if you're looking for any um, <laughs> end of days materials. <laughs> You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh, it's Share the Show Tuesday. Share the Show Tuesday. I almost forgot. Share the Show Tuesday. This is the day, the chance that you have to keep the positivity going, to get this show out there. We've been off for a few weeks over the holidays. We would make sure we don't want to lose any momentum. All I ask, all we ask is that you go out there on your social media and share this show and also try to find one person you think maybe gave up on social media, gave up on the news, who might enjoy a little no BS. Maybe they don't agree with the with our politics or ideology, but they might appreciate having news as peeled away from the propaganda as possible. So share the show. Share the show. We will talk to you all tomorrow.